Welcome to Conversations, and uh, I'm not sitting with my beautiful wife, Lisa, today. Instead, I'm sitting with my oldest son, Addison Bevere. Welcome, Addison. Thank you, sir. It's good it's to be here. Great to be here. Great to look at you. Uh, and I'm here with Don't look Matt. at me for too long. Okay, I won't. Uh, Matt Joya, who is an, like an adopted son. He's been with Messenger for 13 years. And Matt, tell a little bit about what you do at Messenger International. Absolutely. I manage the church relations department. So we have a relationship, John, with about 20,000 pastors, and that's just in the United States and Canada. So we have a team of people that are there um, to minister and to build up pastors and to share the messages and how they can use them in small groups because our heart is discipleship. And so we really view pastors as being out on the front line. In fact, we refer to them in church relations as SEAL Team 6 because it doesn't get any closer to the, to the battle than being a, a frontline pastor. So and that's you guys, I'm so proud of you the way. And, I, and this department used to be run by Addison, and Addison's now our COO, and we'll talk about that maybe on the next podcast because these guys are going to be with me next time too. But uh, you guys, the thing I'm so proud about is how you have befriended pastors. And I remember communicating that vision long ago saying, you know, I see these pastors in rural areas and somebody just needs to be their friend. You know, they've got sometimes nobody to turn to in their 300 member church because their community is only 2000. Everybody in the community knows what everybody's doing. They need friends and we're going to be their friends. And you guys have done that so beautifully and I'm so proud of you guys. But today, Addison, what are we talking about? We're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Wow. Yeah. Now, should people be scared about the judgment seat of Christ? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, when Christians hear the word judgment, and first of all, it is an elementary do, uh, teaching of Jesus Christ, right. which Hebrews means it's 6. foundational, right? So, you know, a lot of Christians think, hey, I'm saved. Jesus is my savior. Uh, he's my king. Well, I've got news for you. He's also going to be your judge. We will, as believers, and this is, you know, most believers understand, yeah, Sinners are going to stand before God in judgment without Jesus, and it's not going to be a good day for them. But we believers, we escape judgment because we got saved. No, there are two judgment seats the Bible specifically speaks of. The one is the unbelievers, the great white throne judgment. The other one is called the judgment seat of Christ, and that is where believers will be examined and judged. Now, judgment scares people. Um, they think condemnation when they think judgment, guys. And... Um, the, the, the Greek word for judgment, it's the Greek word krema. What's it mean? Does either of you know what it means? You've heard me say it enough. It means a decision. A decision resulting from an investigation. Bam. <laughs> These guys are sharp. Yes, that's simply what the word judgment means. So when you read judgment in the New Testament, and it's krema or kremo, you just substitute in there a decision resulting from an investigation. So here's the deal. Every one of us is going to stand before Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. You can read that. It says, you know, we want to be present with the Lord and absent from this body. We yearn for that, Paul says. And an unbeliever, when he's absent from the body, isn't present with the Lord. So we know he's talking only to Christians. And he said, because we Christians are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and each one's going to give an account of the things that we did in our body, whether good or bad. Now, wow, wait a minute, good or bad? We're talking about Christians here. Um, so this is a shocker yeah. for most believers yeah, because they've never heard this. They think that they're just going into heaven and that the judgment seat is just for the unbeliever. But what you're saying is that there's a distinction. There's two different judgments. Correct. And believers are going to come before him in all of our works, everything we've done. Not just our works, our thoughts, our words, our motives, our intentions. Mm. Wow. So the fabric of our lives, essentially, will be yes. examined. 
I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, it says Jesus is going to judge every secret motive and every innermost thought, and then our praise will come from God. That's not unbelievers, because unbelievers are going to get no praise from God, okay? Yeah. So he can only be talking about Christians. So, you know, this is why, having an understanding of this, this is why Paul calls it the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, now, now, don't get scared. It's not to be scared of God. It's to be terrified to be away from him. The person who fears God is the one that says, I know God sees everything. He sees my motives, my intentions, everything. The person who doesn't fear God says, oh, God doesn't see. That's what the leaders in Israel said in the days of Ezekiel. They said, oh, God doesn't see what we're doing. And, and Ezekiel had to confront them on that, you know. But when you have the fear of the Lord in you, you realize, hey, I'm going to give an account for this motive. If I'm trying to be better than my Christian brother, I'm going to give an account for that. Yeah. If I'm competitive with him because I want to be better, I'm going to give an account for that. So that's why we need the Word of God. Because what does the Word of God do? It examines every thought and motive and intention of the heart. Nothing else can do that. Yeah. We, we, we can't even judge our own hearts. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I let the Word of God judge me, and, and the Word of God is going to judge me at the judgment seat, the living Word of God, right? So he'll examine our lives, every thought, motive, intention, every deed, every word, and we won't be judged for our sins because our sins have been eradicated by the blood of Jesus. Right. We'll Thank be judged you. on how we live this life as believers. Now, sin can keep us from obedience, so we might miss out on opportunities of obedience because we were in sin, but we won't be judged for our sins because the blood of Jesus washes it out. And the Bible makes it very clear that at that, you know, he'll do an investigation of our lives, Jesus himself, and as a result of the investigation, he'll make decisions. And according to Hebrews 6, those decisions are going to be eternal. Yeah. There's never going to be any changes to those decisions, any alterations any revisions. This is why John the Apostle in 2 John 8 says, live in such a way that you're going to get a full reward. Because John knows he's going to stand before Jesus. Isn't it interesting? John said it at the very end of his life. Because, I, you know, I remember a pastor saying this to me the other day, guys. Um, he was having a conversation with a lady, and she was like in her 80s. And she started talking about another pastor. It was a very tragic event. And she stopped herself and she said, oh, pastor, I'm too close to eternity to say anything else. Wow. wow. And he said, John, God spoke to me right there and said, Christians who live with an awareness of the other side are Christians who will walk in obedience to me. Absolutely. John says, when we have this hope in, it, in us, we purify ourselves even as he's pure. So the Bible is very specific about this. The ranges of the rewards that we can receive to the losses we can suffer range anywhere from having everything we did burned up yet we're still saved all the way to reigning beside christ forever and ever and ever i mean can you imagine living your whole life here on this earth and going before that judgment seat of christ and having every single thing you've done burned up but that's exactly what he's talking about here yeah he says it in first corinthians chapter three i mean i'll read it paul's talking about building people's lives as a master builder and he said others are building upon it. he says anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials gold silver jewels that would be the eternal wood hay or straw that'd be the temporal but on the judgment day fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done that each builder is every Christian. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, eternal value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward, hopefully a full reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. 
the builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. So our works will be examined. And if the fire of his word examines our works and purifies them, we'll receive a reward. But if the fire of his word burns up what we did, in other words, if everything we did was carnal, fleshly, it says we will be saved, but yet like a person who comes through a wall of flames. That's so heavy. I know. I know, but it needs to be said. It, it does need to be said. Now, I think a lot of people that are probably listening right now, when they think of a judge, they think of they've probably done something wrong. And I think about maybe speeding, going a few miles over the speed limit. And so I have to go to a court of law and, and get punished. Uh, and get punished. And but that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about because we're talking about confidently approaching the throne right. of God. And when we know his word, we know how we're going to be judged. Because if you know the speed limit, you can drive confidently if your speed limit are under. If you're over the speed limit, you don't have confidence because you might get a ticket, right? But we can have confidence if we know his word because Jesus said, the word that I've spoken in John chapter 12 is the word that will judge us in that day. We'll be examined in the light of what he's already spoken. And so we're going to spend all eternity based off of that judgment seat. I'd like you to speak to this, Addison. Yeah, well, the way I look at it, when I think of eternity, I think of two things. I think of entrustment and I think of God's presence. And scripture makes it very clear that the way we live our lives as believers during this time on this earth determines what type of entrustment we will have for the rest of our existence in our proximity to God. Huh. Wow. There's no greater gift. There's no greater responsibility. There's no greater opportunity than working alongside the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who sees and knows everything. And we have this promise as his believers. If we learn these things during this lifetime now, if we practice these behaviors, if we embrace the work of his spirit, we will be prepared, fashioned, destined to reign alongside him for eternity, because we know our God is a creative God. He's going to continue to create. He's going to continue to expand. His word continues to go forth, and we are going to work alongside him. And we, we can't even conceptualize what that's going to look like, but we know, based off scripture, that it's an amazing promise that, that just blows, I mean, it completely blows the limitations of our minds. You know, in the interest of not dividing our audience right now, <laughs> let's go back to a president that was probably present when none of us were around, okay? Let's go back to <laughs> Dwight Eisenhower, okay? Uh, he, he was not only famous because he was a president, he was famous because he was the greatest general of World War II. Yeah. And can you imagine if Dwight Eisenhower says, I want you to be on my cabinet. I want you to help me to run America. Can you imagine the honor, the excitement? But then there were people during Dwight Eisenhower's presidency that... They were on the city council of, you know, let's say Podoc Town, Mississippi or Podoc Town, Colorado. And they never even really got in the proximity of President Eisenhower very much. But the people on his cabinet got on his, were with him every day. They weren't in his presence. They weren't as right. close to him. They were right. aware of his presence. Yes. His presence affected the entire nation because he's the president of the United States. Right. So they had a type of relationship to and with his presence but they weren't close to him. Right. They weren't in close proximity to him. They weren't a part of those decisions. They weren't a part of those think tanks. So we can see in scripture, and we talk about this in the book Driven by Eternity, that there's going to be people in the proximity of the lamb. They'll walk with him wherever he goes. So it's very important 
how we live now. Because how we live now as Christians will determine how we're going to spend eternity, the quality of life. I just, uh, I'm so excited when I talk about this. Well, and I think that's the point. I think it's supposed to evoke excitement and emotion in us that there is something greater than what we've seen and something greater than what we've known. And as human beings, we have this inherent longing for the eternal for something more. And yet we've been pacified by what we've seen and what we've known. And, and we get to this point where we start to believe that this is it. This is it. What we see, what we know, it's it. But there's this amazing promise that God has a reality in store for us that we have only caught glimpses of through his spirit and that one day we're going to experience in its fullness. And I cannot wait to know what that is. So it's been awesome being here with you guys today. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in. We know how valuable your time is. If you have a moment, please review this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. 